Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. All right, everybody, we are back with part two of our conversation with Rob, the grounded athlete. And this conversation, we continued on from where we were cut off by technology last week, diving into some more of the deep dives into grounding and how they affect different systems in our body and help even with different types of uh, non-communicable chronic diseases, which is the number one killer in the world are these chronic non-communicable diseases. So we get into a lot of this stuff in this episode. Plus, we also get into a lot of training talk, a lot of track and field talk as Rob is still running and uh, have a lot of good insight around how he trains and why he trains the way that he does and how grounding is working its way and works its way through his training programs and his training cycles. So this was a really fun wrap up to our long conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. Please make sure you go check out Rob at the grounded athlete LLC.com and you can just search him everywhere he's on instagram he's on twitter uh get a pair of the gaia sandals i have a pair of them or had a pair of them until they just recently wore out and i put them through i put them through stuff let me tell you guys they are incredibly well made and handmade by him and he's not paying me to tell you any of this uh they're just literally the favorite pair of footwear i've ever had so go check them out they're awesome they're worth it and they're healthy for you uh and that's all we're gonna do if you guys want to continue to support him please make sure you follow him on all the channels and learn all of the things that he puts into his content he puts a lot of effort and a ton of research into this stuff and it's for the better so you guys are going to learn a lot through this and before we close out, if you guys want more Nomad Strength in your life, you can check out the Substack. There's more stuff going on over there. There's more bonus podcast episodes called Unplugged. And also just recently, I released uh, the 30-Day Minimalist Kettlebell Program, which I'm going to link in the show notes also. It's a 30-day kettlebell-only program. Uh, it's got four weeks' worth of workouts. There's also some bonus things in there, but it's how you can actually get a ton of efficiency and uh, effectiveness out of a training session when all you've got is short on time and you're short on equipment. It's some of my favorite ways I train. You guys know this from listening to this podcast. Uh, so go check it out. It's available for purchase now, and if you enjoy it, be sure to give it a review and let me know how it went for you while you do the program. So let's dive into part two with Rob, the Grounded Athlete. 
All right. They thought they could hold us down. They thought they would cancel us. The bug men tried to end the show, and we are back. They couldn't do it. And this is... They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Part two with Rob from Grounded Athlete, Guy Sandals and stuff. So we're... I mean, we're just going to throw it in their faces today that they... We're going to do double the amount of time we usually would have because we're stretching into two episodes now. So (laughs) we can do whatever we we can do, whatever we want. (laughs) So uh, I want to actually just kind of jump right into some of the more dense stuff because chances are these two podcasts coming right back to back in your feed. So if you've read the first one or read the first one, if you've listened to the first one and we're hopping right into this one we're not going to go back again and do stuff we've already done. So we're just going to pick it right up from where we were. And uh, a couple of the things as it relates to uh, a lot of health issues that are common and chronic, right? And that's, I think, one of the bigger things that we've noticed in the last handful of decades is like the biggest problems with people's health are these like chronic issues that are by and large lifestyle based. Right. A lot of it isn't always, you know, and, and some of them are just like random genetic things. Right. But I'm talking like chronic things. So we have uh, one, one of the big ones is something like uh, diabetes. Right. We talked a little bit about um, a little bit about vascular and, and cardio health in the last episode and in the episode even before that a long time ago. But I want to get into some of the stuff as it relates to diabetes with uh, insulin, blood sugar, a lot of this kind of stuff uh, that does have effects when and when uh when utilized with grounding principles and so i want to just kind of turn it over there very vaguely because i know there's a lot of paths that we can take from there but as it relates to the blood sugar conversation what are the things that uh that you've researched and seen and and how it improves and gets better with with grounding yeah, and I, I definitely want to emphasize that first part is that that is the that is the primary killer of people today. That's chronic inflammatory non-communicable disease. That's cardiovascular disease. That's cancer. That's neurodegenerative disease. And a big part of that is diabetes. Um, yeah. And you know, just really quick with diabetes, uh, there's type one, type one diabetics, type two diabetics. Type one diabetes is more of an auto, autoimmune condition. Uh, that's when your body's attacking its own beta cells in the pancreas. Um, whereas type two is more of a metabolic condition. Uh, there's more insulin insensitivity involved. So, you know, something that we talked about last time in the last podcast and, and probably prior to that, I'm pretty sure we did talk about it in the first podcast and that's, uh, that's data potential. So, you know, if you're, if you're on Instagram and you're on Twitter, you'll, you'll see that image that people will share and that's of all the red blood cells they are clumped together. And then after grounding, uh, there'll be a, a little bit more dispersed and so that's uh that relates to to diabetes too there are implications of that with with diabetes so uh the thing with diabetes is is blood sugar regulation it's really important for your body to be able to regulate blood sugar and so when there's hyperglycemia there's a lot of blood sugar in your there's a lot of sugar in your blood this can affect the the electrodynamics of those red blood cells and so uh, really quick your red blood cells have a negative uh, cloud of charge around them and that's due to these sialic acid residues on their surface and so there's a there's a cloud of negative charge around them and this negative charge is like charges repel in physics so you know these these red blood cells are repelling each other from each other and that helps with blood flow and and uh so things don't get too too coagulated 
And so when there's a lot of sugar in the blood, this can lead to something called glycation. Uh, and so when these red blood cells are, go through glycation, this can alter the electrodynamics of those red blood cells. Um, on top of that, you have oxidative stress. You have these uh, reactive species that are influencing the charge of these red blood cells. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a double whammy if you've got a lot of inflammation, oxidative stress going on, uh, and you have diabetes. So what what's been found with people with non-insulin dependent diabetes mellitus, so type two diabetics, um, who who take glibenclamide, um, which basically stimulates uh, insulin production in the pancreas. So what's yep. been found with, with diabetics who are grounded is it'll take their fasting glucose levels uh, from about 10 millimoles per liter, which is in the diabetic range, down to about seven millimoles per liter. So that's effectively wow. taking someone from a diabetic range to uh, almost pre-diabetic which is yeah. which is huge. So that just goes to show that grounding, you know, is it's so much more than than the the, the cardiovascular side of things. It it, it goes on in, in, into into diabetes and um, and they're very much they're very much intertwined too. But um, definitely uh, helping the body regulate blood sugar and that definitely influences the the charge of these red blood cells too. So that that plays a critical factor in, in influencing. Um, blood viscosity so and so when these when these red blood cells uh, get get go through glycation this makes the blood really thick makes it really inflamed and so when that happens the heart's got to work really hard to get it through your circulatory system and uh, another thing with that is that when the when the blood's really thick that's a lot of mechanical stress uh, it's a lot of friction on the endothelial walls and endothelial dysfunction is uh, a, a very good predictor of future cardiac events like uh, ASCVD, atherosclerotic, uh, I'm not saying it right, atherosclerotic disease, <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's a really good indicator of future cardiac events. Um, and so there, it's, it, the effects of grounding as far as, far as blood flow are, are really, really profound. Um, as far as influencing that negative charge, uh, influencing uh, diabetes, influencing uh, cardiovascular disease, and, and I think preventing those as well. So, so in that uh, in that example that you gave with uh, with the diabetics being taken back down, what you know, like thirty percent as a result of grounding. In that specific instance, was there a certain uh, protocol that they were utilizing that they could that they were testing or is it like even you know we talked last time and and the previous time like it really is as simple as just like going outside and being barefoot on the ground right like we don't need to overcomplicate this but in that particular instance was there a certain protocol or, or method that they were utilizing while they were looking at these before and afters gosh you know I forgot the exact method that they used um, but really with with all of these studies it's it's they're either sleeping grounded or they're in real time just kind of okay. using these electrode patches but at the moment I, I forgot what what method they actually they used so drawing a blank with that well let's get into that well, let's get into that one because that's a that's a little branch off because you mentioned sleeping grounded yeah. right and if you want to take that super literally 
sure, yeah. go outside and sleep outside on the ground. Like that's what that's what most people did for a really long time, right? And then and then it's not even because I think one of the things that we get we did our best to clear up in the last episode was yes that's always the best option is like direct contact with the earth but as long as the materials between you and the earth are conductive materials you're still being grounded right so is you know if you're looking for these materials so you know there are products though that allow you to be grounded in an environment that is very difficult to to do so so we have we you know we mentioned like your sandals that you make there are things like mats that you can you know stand on under you know, like people have a desk and you can be grounded standing at your desk standing on a mat and then there's also like you know mattresses or sheets or stuff like that and and things that are in your room that you can utilize so like how do those things you know can you give some examples of some of those things that that are actual products that people can look at utilizing too yeah um I won't, I won't give any brands because there's, there's so many different brands, but, um, yeah. So these, these materials sure. are made of sure. conductive, conductive materials, usually like some kind of, uh, silver, silver, um, threading or, or carbon, carbon fabric or, or something of the sort. But, uh, really the, the big thing is, is conductivity. So you're looking for electrical conductivity in, in all of these materials. Um, but there, when you're when you're using these products, particularly these mats and these sheets, um, you need to be sure that your your home or wherever you're staying is actually grounded, and that's very easily verifiable with an outlet checker. Because if your home okay. isn't grounded and you're you're plugging these things into your wall, you could be potentially subjecting yourself to um, the uh, dangerous voltage levels that could potentially you know. So if there's a short circuit or something that that grounding that grounding wire is going to use, it's going to take that that excess voltage and it's going to it's going to take it to the ground. But if there's no connection to the earth, that can potentially go to you instead. And so that's definitely why you want to verify that your outlets are actually grounded before you start using those products. Good to note. That would, yeah. <laughs> that's probably a pretty important disclaimer for a lot of those things yeah, yeah. <laughs> you would you would hope anyways. yeah and these are these are uh, conductive materials too so they can pick yeah. up on on local on local emfs and so they can you know actually I'm glad you brought that up yeah they yeah. can um they can actually be counterproductive and so it's, yeah. yeah it's important that these these your outlets are, are properly grounded so well, and that's another that's another thing. I'm I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to get into that a little bit too, uh, with especially if you live in you know, I I can't even say it's just specific to larger urban areas now because everything everywhere it has some form of EMF radiation yeah. around. Yeah. Like I mean, unless you are extreme rural, like the the chances are slim that you're you're not being pelted by some form of of emf radiation right Right. so whether that's wi-fi routers whether that's 5g towers whatever else is floating around in the air like it's these invisible things and it's because the fact that they're these invisible things that we tend to not even think about them right like and 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 we know that they have an effect on our system so utilizing things in your home like whether it's the sheets whether it's uh mats whether it's sandals if you're outside or just that plane outside how does that interact with emfs and and the the ability of grounding to help mitigate a lot of the effects from that 
from that radiation? So <clears throat> we're we're always going to be subject to electromagnetic fields there because they're they're natural. The, the the Earth creates these these natural electromagnetic fields, and there's also man-made uh, electromagnetic fields. So the ones that are most uh, that most pertain to us are the ones that are created by um, well, here in the U.S., these 60 hertz alternating currents, which are in the wiring and all the appliances that we use. So, when these uh, these 60 hertz currents, when when current runs through, even I mean, even when current isn't running through them, they're still creating these electric fields. Um, when current runs through the wire, that's when it creates a magnetic field, um, and these these electromagnetic fields can uh, induce voltages on the surface of our body, and that's through a process called capacitive coupling and on top of that we're subject to radio frequencies which are the wavelengths associated with Wi-Fi and, and you know your cell phones and all and wireless wireless data transmission yep. so um, there's there's not really any data as far as grounding mitigating mitigating the the impacts of radio frequencies but as far as the electromagnetic fields produced by these alternating currents that's been shown because um, what's going to happen when these these alternating currents, when they create these electromagnetic fields, they're going to induce a voltage on your body. And so uh, there's been a couple, there's been a lot of research out, researchers out there that that show um, that these these positive these voltages on your body dissipate to about you know zero um, around negative 200 millivolts. Um, so that's what it's going to drop to. Um, when you're grounded and as soon as you you're not grounded it's going to go go right back up so um and that immediate it changes yeah that like it, it's, there's it's, no it's, like it's, it doesn't linger it doesn't like keep you for an hour afterwards it's like literally the second you step away yep. it's right changed. right back to normal so that that really that really uh says a lot about you know try to get as much time in as you can in that state yeah. in that grounded state because that's gonna yeah. that's gonna do a lot for you but um that it's it's really interesting because um as far i don't know if we mentioned this last time but as far as literature goes um there there really is no consensus on um emfs and health um even though there is really good literature out there uh, particularly with leukemia uh, leukemia is really, really popular in the in the research um, as far as being subject to these these electromagnetic fields, these man-made fields. Uh, leukemia is very prevalent in people that are that are exposed to these uh, that work in like electrical occupations and stuff like that. So, uh, but these interesting, yeah, and the, the, it's yeah, the, there's no consensus on it, and that's it's very. It's very odd to me. I don't know if that's you know on purpose or if it's just yeah. you know I, I don't know. But um, from from what I've researched on it and from what I've wrote about it, there still is no consensus on it. The World Health Organization uh, considers it a class two B carcinogen, which is possibly carcinogenic. Um, so and that's that's really that really should be enough for anybody to to right. want to. Um, stay away from from these man-made electromagnetic fields as much as possible and if i can be and if i can also be cynic for a minute too if that's what the who is willing to say that it is it's probably <laughs> yeah. worse than that yeah. <laughs> these, these, organiz these organizations are definitely questionable after the china virus for sure so yeah. everything must be taken uh, with a grain of salt right well and then that actually you know one of the other things i wanted wanted to talk about is the viral aspect 
um, as well. And because obviously in these last handful of years, that word is pretty synonymous with a lot of things. So as, as the viral conversation goes, what is the, what is, what are you seeing with the research and how grounding impacts just regular, like, because I would, I would think we tend to think of, um, being sick, just generally just like getting sick, right. Mm -hmm. As like a viral thing. And like our immune system, we tend to simplify down to if I have a healthy immune system, I won't get sick, but our immune system isn't like our, our cardiovascular system necessarily, where there's not like organs that are like, this is a part of your immune system, right? Like there's everything in your body works together to create a strong, you know, if I want to use a certain word that connotates something, a strong terrain, right? Like in a, in a, in a clear and a healthy terrain. So Mm -hmm. in, in terms of having a viral infection or even maybe, uh, other kinds of sicknesses related to that, where does grounding fit into the equation there? And I'm, I'm super sorry for everybody because I know you're, you're very tired of hearing about the China virus uh, so far for the past <laughs> few years, so we won't, we won't talk too much about it. But there's been some really interesting research as far as uh, grounding and, and preventing viral, viral infections. So, um, it's, so a lot of these viruses, particularly, let's say, the, the coronavirus um, or SARS-CoV-2, so the, in order for these viruses to infect you, um, they, need, they need an acidic environment in order to, to, to replicate, to replicate, to spread their genetic material. And so like how, how a lot of these chloroquine analogs, which were, were pretty popular during, during the China virus, um, what these do is they basically prevent endosomal acidification, which uh, these viruses take advantage of in order to, to replicate themselves, to spread their genetic material. And so if, if we can alkalize the alveolar environment, the respiratory tract environment through grounding, because when you ground, you got these, this, these ne- this negative charge that infiltrates your body, which is uh, basically going to influence the, the pH environment of your respiratory tract. And, and when that environment is very acidic, that aids in the viral infection itself. So when you're grounded and you, you alkalize this environment, uh, I don't want to, I want to say, I, I would rather say when you normalize this respiratory environment, you're going to hinder this, this replication process, this, uh, this process of the, of the virus spreading its genetic uh, material. And so, and that's, that's been shown because people have, have measured respiratory tract pH and people that are grounded and, and, and they're more alkaline. And that's, that's certainly going to influence the, the, um, the, the infection process. So uh, a lot of these respiratory epithelial cells, um, they'll, they'll take in this virus through a process called endo, endocytosis and uh, they'll create these uh, endosomes which have the viral the virus in it and uh, that acidic environment within within that endosome is going to help uncoat that virus and spread its genetic genetic material so that just goes to show how how clever uh, viruses are they're they're very interesting very interesting entities but um yeah so influencing that that uh, ph environment is definitely going to um influence the the endo endo cytosis process of, of these viruses 
and that's what a lot of the the chloroquine analogs do um as as far as um as far as hindering hindering that process and and preventing the infection process so um really cool as as far as grounding influencing the ph environment of of your your lungs your lung environment so um you know, and as, as while we're on the the immune 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 response, uh, grounding's yeah. also been shown to um, uh, basically attenuate the gamma globulin response in response to vaccine. Um, this isn't this isn't a, a, a pro vaccine you know um, conversation or anything or anti vaccine conversation sure. or anything. But um, uh, when when you give somebody a vaccine, it's a really interesting way as far as uh, experimentally to see how the immune system is responding. Um, but yeah. uh, grounding basically attenuates the, the gamma globulin response uh, or immunoglobulin response, which is more familiar, more, more familiar with people as far as um, it's these, these are your antibodies. Um, and so yeah. they basically attenuate the antibody response. So it's, that's, a, that's another really cool okay. uh, benefit that you get with grounding. The, the, the acidity and the alkalinity part of it is interesting too, because I think that's in the health space when we, when we kind of bring it back into like health and fitness realm of, of coaches and people who do, who push products and all that kind of stuff. That's a couple of phrases that are very popular when it comes to health, right? Like what's, what's our pH level in our body, right? And that being, I mean, not that I'm surprised that anything, anything in our body has an effect when, when grounding is introduced, right? Like that will have an effect on everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we're talking about pH level and, and acidic versus alkaline, uh, you mentioned it a little bit in the autoimmune thing. Is there different levels to that? for different types of systems like as as the immune system you mentioned like with respiratory stuff and and ph levels there are there different places where that matters more is it all kind of like if you're acidic here you're acidic everywhere kind of a thing yeah um it's it's i would say it's context dependent it depends on on what's going on so like for uh example in in the endosome when it's you know when it's not a virus you want that you want that endosome to be very acidic because you want it to break down break down whatever it's whatever it's consuming um but uh, i would say it's it's very much context dependent um there and there are a lot of people out there that that argue that uh, an acidic an acidic environment is what what contributes to a lot of things going uh, not so well in the body, right. but um, yeah, I don't, I don't have much to say on that. I would just say it's very context yeah. dependent. So, well, and the, and the reason I brought it up is because I think a lot of people, if, for the reason that you just said, like a lot of people hear you're acidic and automatically assume that that's bad. Yeah. Right. But in, like you said, context dependent, you actually need to be acidic in certain times, mm-hmm. right? And so, just like just like with everything, the duality of how our body operates in, yeah. in a lot of degrees, like there's a reason that both things exist, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That goes, like, that goes it, back it to, that goes back to one of the, the primary things that are, that's involved with grounding and that's oxidative stress. You know, people, people hear free yeah. radicals. They think, ah, shit, these are like really bad. This is all, like all I hear about on social media, these things being really bad, but they're actually really, really helpful. Uh, they're really helpful with, um, they're signaling molecules. They they help the they help cells differentiate, proliferate, commit apoptosis. Um, they're also really helpful in the 
the immune system and fighting off pathogens, but really a lot of this is context dependent. So um, really True. important to keep in mind. So. One of the things I want to branch away um, from like the, the, the research and the science part behind it for a minute, because there was something I wanted to ask you and I was going to ask you last time when we were talking about the sandals and if you can't tell me a lot yet, I get it because you're kind of teasing a lot of it. But you have another th- another kind of project that you're working on uh, called Aries. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, you know, we, we talked about the sandals before and, and the purpose of those. Can you give a little bit of information on what Aries Groundware is and where it's going and kind of where you are in that process? Well, Aries is a shoe. Or is it still tight? <laughs> Lock- oh, okay, good. Okay. <laughs> Figured as much, (laughs) figured as much, but you've been like super, you know, tight lipped about the whole thing and very cryptic with your posts like you are all the time. (laughs) And so it's like, I don't know what he's wanting to, wanting to put out there yet. So, uh, yeah. So Aries has has been a project I've been working on for the past three years now. And it's, it's been a pain in the ass because I've been, I've been, especially in the the initial stages, I was, uh, just trying to figure out how to make this thing work not only how to make this thing work, how to make it look good, because, they, well, there are yeah. grounding shoes that exist out there, but they look not that great. I've been getting ads for one, by the way, since our conversation <laughs> yeah. uh, aired at the beginning of the week. There's one that I've been getting Instagram ads for, and I'm like, they are snooping <laughs> and listening, listening and then trying to, to poach all of Rob's people. <laughs> well, I will ask, I will ask, do they look good? Not really. Yeah, that's the thing. They kind of, I mean, like, they kind of have a, they kind of have like a moccasin-y type of look, but not as cool. What were they called? Like, it's kind of like they try, I can't remember now. I'm sure I can pull it up in like two seconds and find it. Um, But they had a similar, in, they had a similar where I think they had a copper, a copper pin in the bottom, in the sole. Because they would show the bottom of the. I think yeah, I think I know which ones you're talking about. Um, and I can't remember what they're called. Um, let me see if I can find them. But that process is different yes. than what I would. Is that what are they? Um, let me see. Nope, that was not them. Never mind. Uh, Rizal. Okay. Yeah, I've I think I've seen that a few uh, times on Twitter. Is it just a, a There's only a couple thousand there's only a couple thousand people following the Instagram, so they look like they're pretty new and pretty small. Um, but they're kind of just like slip on like moccasin looking type things. Kinda like Tom's I would I would say is probably a similar look, but huh. um, I wonder if they're if it's just a copper ribbon clunky. on the bottom. I wonder if they're just flipping shoes pretty much. Could be. <laughs> yeah. See if you can see all I'm sure yeah, that's, they're, they're okay. Um, they're all right. Yeah, and I I want to make a shoe that looks good. Like, I want to make a sneaker. Yeah. Um, but yeah. The, my, the process, the way that I'm going about it is different than what currently exists. And that's another way of saying you have to spend a lot of money. <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah, to, I was just going to yeah. say, that just means it's more expensive. Yeah. You could just say that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's, I, I will say that it's, it's its own unique uh, grounding mechanism. Um, that I, you know, I've been, been working with for, for a few years now, but, um, I want a sneaker, man. I want, I want a a casual, not, I mean, not even necessarily a casual sneaker. I want a sneaker that, you know, people can lift in and basically do whatever they want in because 
not everybody's a sandal person. So to, to have a, a really good looking sleek sneaker out there, um, I think yeah. uh, will be very, very popular with people. So um, Aries is, it's, it's still in the works. Um, I have my prototype. Um, but here's the thing with Aries, is I just, so with, if you're making shoes, you usually need like a minimum quantity that you have to order. Yep. And uh, yep. man, just even for the prototype, that was that was a shit ton of money to get that thing made. Yeah, I bet. Um, and so bet. what I'll probably end up doing is I'll try and crowdfund it. Um, and if, if Smart. yeah, if the crowdfunding doesn't work, I think I've got a pretty good, uh, pretty good audience is a pretty big audience on, on social media. Yeah. So I yeah. think uh, a lot of people will, will want to contribute to it, but you know, man, if, if it, if it flops, it flops. Like I tried and it's, it's been something that I've been working yeah. on and, um, and, you know, I could say the same thing for the book too. Like if, if the book flops and nobody likes the book, you know, oh, well, I had a, I had a shit ton right. of fun. I had a shit ton of fun making it. Did it for uh, yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really, I think yeah. it's a really good book. Um, I, I think a lot of people will like it. There's a lot of awesome, absolutely awesome illustrations in it. And even the illustration. So I, I want to ask you about that. So do you do that stuff for the so, illustrations or do you have that done? How it works is I basically have to. Because they are awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's three different things. So I have to, I have to license images i have to license vectors um and then it's a combination of ai too so it's it's all licensed ah. stuff that i have to license and basically i just throw it all together and so i just i i mix and match and i put things where i want it to be and it real I, I use a lot of ai and then i use a lot of uh, uh a lot of stock images and i just kind of throw it all together to kind of make it my own yeah. But um, and it does look cool. Yeah, I'm not. I'm definitely not taking them off Google Images or anything. I'm. I'm. I'm definitely. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm. I'm making them. So, but uh, just the images by themselves, like they're awesome. They're really, really cool to look at, and they're probably going to be like three or four hundred of these illustrations in there. So, um, how I was just going to ask, how big is the book? Like, are you done with it yet, or are you still so putting stuff in? I, it? I'm still. I'm still adding illustrations. I'm. I'm reading it. I'm reading through the whole thing pretty much on a weekly basis. And I'm figuring out where to where to put where I can add something extra, but I think without the illustrations, it'll be like around 400, 450 pages. With the illustrations, well, it'll probably textbook, yeah. Dude, <laughs> and that's the thing too. It, it's <laughs> gonna be it's gonna be like a textbook style, but um, yeah. it's also gonna be very um, it's 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 gonna be for the layperson as well too, because I don't yep. want it to be inaccessible to to yep. your your everyday average Joe. Um, and I, I think I've, I've done a really good job with that. So the thing is, I just, I'm going to get it on Amazon. I'm going to narrate it. Um, I'm working with an agent. To oh, get the, nice. Yeah. Going to do the audio. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Nice. I, I was just talking with, uh, my, uh, my friend Luke about that, but it's just like the amount, do you have audible? Yes. Yeah. The amount of books that have been absolutely fucking ruined by a bad narrator, like just completely ruins the experience for you. So yeah, it, it you just when somebody narrates their own book, you just get a little bit more passion. You get a little bit more emotion involved. It's a little yep. bit more intimate. So um, I definitely wanted to narrate that. But um, what's up, doggy? Um, it's a uh, it's it's 
it's cool, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get it out there. Um, I'm working with an agent to get the physical copy out there, but um, I'll have it on. I was just going to ask that. Are you going to actually do the, the physical <laughs> version of it? Yeah, so that's going to be quite the undertaking also. Yeah, yeah, I've been in, in talks with uh, yeah. a few agents to get that, that physical copy out there. But in the meantime, um, I will get it on Amazon. Um, and honestly, mm -hmm. man, I think that it might be better to consume something like this through like an ebook style because then you have access to because i'm not sure if all the images you'll have that in a physical book and so um oh, yeah, yeah if you have it as an yeah. ebook and you're you're looking at it on your computer or your phone you can see high quality images of these illustrations um you could you can skip to to certain to certain uh chapters if, if you want to do that um and then on top of yeah. that um, that also creates an avenue for me to make different versions of this book because as you know like things are always changing something's gonna change yeah and updates and that's yeah. that's a big problem I imagine with with other authors is that they put something out there a year later this new study comes out that completely you know changes <laughs> everything and they're just like oh shit my yep. books already out there so I can't take it back now yeah so if I have it on Amazon let's say like version 1.0 Put a new one out there, yep. version 2.0, and that's with the updated info. So, yeah. So, do you have a, a idea of release date? How close are you to being ready with the, it? The content is done. It's written. It's That's all okay. done. I'm adding some illustrations in Just there. Just making it look good. Yeah. Slapping, <laughs> slapping it all together now. And, you <laughs> know, man, if, if I could put it out now and it'd look awesome. But uh, I'm yeah. really, I'm a perfectionist with this. I want to put out something that looks really good um and and i think that's that's pretty... the guy who hand makes every pair of sandals <laughs> yeah. by himself is the perfectionist i never would have guessed i think yeah as i say i think that's easy to see in, in everything that i that i put out um as far as the videos yeah. as far as uh, all the content that i put out i put a lot of effort into that stuff and i want it to look good and, and people yeah. definitely notice that so i don't want this book to be any yeah. different that's awesome. I'm really pumped because you've been doing these great teases and, and putting sections and small little, you know, mm -hmm. clips and, and whatnot and, and highlights and these things leading into certain chapters of it. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I would imagine probably people would get an incredible amount of information just if they watch, looked at the five slides on one of the chapters. That's probably 30 times longer than that post. Yeah in the book you know what i mean but it's gonna be uh yeah it's gonna be a pretty rad thing so i want to go a little bit in a different direction now yeah. uh and do some some training talk a little bit because uh, you are still running and still running. racing still running still and racing. still running and still racing and you're also getting into like fight world now yeah uh after what was about a year about a year ago you kind of picked that last up last summer yeah Yep. Yeah. So now that track season's over, mm -hmm. and for for the is it over for you? Are you like done? You don't have anything going on this summer? So how I like to do my running, um, I like to get as much high quality work in the summer done as I can because of the heat. Yeah. Like just yep. when it's hot and the sun's out, I can just do so much more with my body, and so I like to take yep. advantage of that. And then as as fall approaches, I like to take my break. And then once I start getting into kind of my preseason, I don't have to do as much because I did a shit ton of work in yep. the summer. So during, you know, uh, preseason, I'll maybe do like two training sessions a week and that's good enough for me. So I, yeah. I'm not a bit, I'm not big on the volume. I'm just like, I really like high quality work and 
and step back from there. And that's so what does that look like? What do those two days generally look like? If you're, is that the mode you're in right now? Like kind of two days for the most part? So for me, um, I, how I like to split my week up and that sounds kind of odd because I only have two days a week that I, that I train, but, uh, <laughs> I like to do, um, a special endurance day. Um, and then I like to do one speed day. And so how I'm set up right now in the summer, uh, I do one like uh, pretty like a, around 15, 1600 meters uh, worth of worth of volume, but it's good quality volume. So I do yep. like a 600 and then I'll do some 150s or some 200s to follow that up. Um, within yep. that day, I'm also doing some sled pulling and stuff. Um, and then another day I'll do my top end work, uh, my timed flies, my wicket work. But uh, really, I've been thriving off those those two types of, of training days, um, and that's that's what works for me. I, I've I've tried the other ways to do it, the five days a week that a lot of people do. Yep. Um, I've tried other other different schemes, and they just they haven't worked for me. And a, a big part of that is this: I'm getting older too, and so yeah, I don't have to do as much training. I can get away with one or two training days a week as long as those training days sure. are really good, and um, it it. I've, I've, I'm also pretty smart about what I know my body can do. Um, it takes, and it takes a long time. It takes a lot of maturity to get to that point to, uh, to understand that it's not how hard you're working. It's how smart you're working. And that takes a lot of maturity because it's really easy to, to go out there and just say, you know, I'm going to kill this workout and that's going to make me better. It's not always the case. And in, in, in a lot of cases that gets you hurt and that's not very sustainable. Yeah. So. Are you, what's your, what's your weight room time like during this period as well? I just started picking up lifting again. Uh, I took about yeah. four or five months off of the weight room. Um, felt amazing, felt amazing on the track, felt amazing on the mats. Um, and you know, my whole, my whole outlook on, on weight, on weight room work has kind of shifted these past two years. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's really good for developing athletes for people that yep. are just getting into, into sports. Um, it's, I think it's good as far as, you know, preventing injuries and, uh, like prehab work and stuff like that. But for me doing the movement, doing the sport itself, that'll always be number one. I've, I've met yep. too many people in my life. I've met too many athletes. I've met too many coaches that have tried to build speed in the weight room and it just, I'm, I'm sorry to say it, it just doesn't work that way. When you, uh, how, how does that translate into what you're doing on the mats with, so what, what directly are you doing for fighting? Like you're doing, uh, are you doing Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu? Are you kind of approaching it from one specific discipline? What is your goal there? So I'll do both on one day. So I'm just like how okay. track is, well, just how, how track yeah. is, I'll do that two or three times a week. I'll do Jiu Jitsu and then I'll follow that up with, uh, uh, Muay Thai. Um, yep. so it's, those are, those are pretty rigorous days, but, um, I'll get, I'll get a couple days where it's like a 15 minute, uh, 15 minutes, uh, around. So, um, that's, that's, that's killer. That's killer right there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll do, how do we do it at the gym? We do, you know, a couple minutes, 30 second break, a couple minutes, 30 second break of these really, really easy sparring sessions. But what I've learned is that how, how great a shape I'm in, um, with track and all that, you would think 
I would be okay <laughs> in that setting. It's not the same. It doesn't transfer over at same. all. It's a not different. It's a different. It's a different beast. But um, yeah, I like it though. I like. I think it's a really good mixture of uh, of, of activities. Like just for me, I want to be really fast. I want to be really powerful. I want to know how to fight. Um, and th- these, I just I feel so. I feel so good as an athlete being able to do these things. Um, yeah, with with the weight room, um, I just I felt so robotic. I felt so sagittal plane. Just I, it just I didn't feel good when I was running. I didn't feel good when I was when I was uh, sparring, and um, that's not necessarily because I was pushing it too hard in the weight room. I was I wasn't even really doing that much in the weight room. I would do a few Olympic lifts, and that was it. But uh, I just I didn't feel as fluid or as efficient in my other movements. So I've definitely backed off um, as far as the weight room goes, and I felt great. I felt great in my track training sessions and my sparring sessions and jujitsu and all that. So it's uh, it's and a lot of people are gonna hate me for that, but uh, <laughs> really, if you're if you're in a, if you're in a sport, do your sport. And everything, most of your progress is going to come from actually doing that sport. So I've met too many people that have tried to get better at their sport in the weight room. So, yeah, when you have uh, so so to recap the season, how did you race this last year? How did you run? So I had retired from track um, last, let's say last March. I said, I'm done with track. I'm not going to run anymore. Uh, I competed in Olympic weightlifting for for like half a year, and then from there I got into I I first started with kickboxing, and so I just did that for a few months. Um, I took a fight, which was really stupid. <laughs> I took a fight like right away, uh, and, and it, it turned out good. I won it, and it was it was um, it was a good time. But uh, yeah, I didn't run for like seven months. I was just I was done with the sport, and then uh, my buddies started to get me to come training like once a week and so I was running once a week and I was like before I knew it it was like two three times a week and I was like oh shit like I'm pulled back into this world uh and then I was just like oh well you know what I'm doing all this training and I'm in really good shape I'm still really fast so I guess I'll just see how a few competitions go and uh this past season I managed 47.5 so and nice. like for taking that did you much, do anything other than did you do anything other than the four no did you just do I, so four? like uh i was gone i was going to uh do a 200 at the end of outdoor season and yeah. i was super excited for it but my last training session i had a groin tighten up on me and yeah that was that that was it and i was i was getting better every every race because like that's how it is for me i like i race myself into into shape like yeah i I could be in amazing practice shape, an amazing training shape. I'm just gonna be like, I'm gonna come out and run 46.8 like first first race, but just like, I I need that really specific race stimulation stimulation in order to in order to get to get better and and uh, yeah, I just 
I've, I've been in great practice shape and that, that I found over the years that doesn't mean anything when it comes to race day. So, <laughs> right. so. got to show up and run when people are next to yeah. you. Yeah. So, exactly. <laughs> and now you've pulled yourself all the way back in because now you're going to do it again next season. Yeah. Right? So you're all now you're back. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I figured say, I took that much time off and I was still, you know, running decent times this past year. I was like, OK, you know, I'll train for next year. It'll probably be my last year. And yeah. You know, I'm I'm excited for how that year goes, but uh, if I can beat my PB from a couple of years ago, then then I'll be. I'll be Which happy. is what? Forty six six. So. Forty six yeah, six. That's so, cruising. Yeah. Nice. Like, I think uh, you would have been right there when I when I I think the guy that won D two nationals when I was there a couple weeks ago was forty six five four. Okay. Uh, so he was. He was moving. It was a good race. I'm still but, with yeah, the kids. Man, I'm still running with the kids. Yeah, I'm still up there. And you're still with them. You're the old man that's still showing them what's up. <laughs> yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be 29. I'll be 29 this year. So still still nice. cooking. So that's dude. I mean, you you'd think. I mean, really, especially with what level of yearly training that you're doing right now, like yeah. broken down. When you're approaching 30, like if you're still doing it at a high level, most people are doing it full time. Yeah. You know, like that's what they do. So it's like if you're still racing and you're 30 years old, especially as a sprinter, right? Like because I know that a lot of the distance guys can be, uh, you know, into their mid to late 30s and still be really high level Mm -hmm. distance guys. But you don't see many like old sprinters. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like (laughs) when you get to that early 30s, you probably have just like one more shot, especially if you're like on the world level. Mm -hmm to really make something happen. But if you're around 30, like if you're running and racing consistently, it's because that's like your job at that point. And this is like the eighth thing on your low on your list (laughs) of things that you do, (laughs) of things that you do. This is just my workout pretty wild. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, Uh, exactly. But yeah, it's, um, it's fun, man. Like it, it, it's, it's fun to run fast. It keeps me in amazing shape. Um, I still get to experience that competitive side of things. Um, and that's, that's been, that's been awesome. And I think a a big, a big part of that is just kind of like my, my approach to training is just like minimum effective dose. I'm a, I'm a big minimum effective dose, especially, um, that's really important if you want to be sustainable in anything, just get the stimulus you need and then, you know, live to live to fight another day. So that's kind of been my motto. And it's working. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of the point, though, is like, especially when you're in competitive mode, right? I think the idea a lot of people struggle with when they start something again to get competitive, because I, I was, you know, I was the same when I when I took up jujitsu a couple of years ago. It was like, okay, I'm going to compete. Like, I need to be training twice a day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, for something like jujitsu, the technique part of it, like, you just need to spend time learning jujitsu, not from being the in shape part, yeah. right? Like, like you said, doing jujitsu will get you in better shape for jujitsu, but you also need to just spend time learning what you're looking at yeah. and like being up and being a part of it. You know, like you're doing it now too. So it's like, you, if you learn a couple of things, you, you really don't even know how to apply those things yeah. in a role. Mm-hmm. Like, so it just takes time to be able to look at a problem and then like, Oh, I can solve this problem. Now I can see what I'm doing and analyze this. But like the actual getting in shape of it, my instant, reaction when I started was just like, I just have to train more. I have to be like in there all the time and just crushing myself. Mm-hmm. And I realized that it was more helpful for me to train, train more often just from the, the skill and the technique part of it, because I was actually doing the sport and doing the, the discipline mm-hmm. 
not because I was trying to do it to get in better shape to do it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's that, uh, that's that grind set mentality infecting us, man. We just want to get in there and, and just bust our balls and, and uh-huh. go hard, but man, it just it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable and for the long term. So, do you have? Uh, are you going to take another fight? So I was. It, it was supposed to be this August. We my coach was setting up one for here in Sioux City, uh, but I'm not sure if it's going to play out that way. Um, if not, they're in Des Moines, in Des Moines, Iowa. They do a lot of they do a lot of fights out there. But um, and I know I know the guy that runs that, manages that. My coach knows him. So um, if if I don't fight here, then I'll probably fight in Des Moines. But uh, we had we had. Is it? Are you doing MMA or is it? This is uh, this is one ki- or this is two. kickboxing. So I like just kickboxing. Yeah, this is okay. kickboxing. Um, yep. I yeah. So we'll we'll see. I don't I don't know yet. I. I thought it was August, but um, we'll we'll see how it plays out. Um, but uh, I'm eager to. It's fun, man. It's a fun experience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was the the first um, the first jujitsu competition I did a little bit ago, about a year or so ago, uh, when I was at White. Was like the first real the first real chance I'd had since my last race of feeling that like I got a get in here and compete kind of mindset, you know? Cause like I did, uh, you know, I, I did CrossFit on and on and boxes and there's like, there's a little bit of that when you're against other people and you're trying to push and go, but it's, it's different. And then it's even more different because in jujitsu, it was a lot more similar to track for me in the sense that it's like, it's just me and it's this guy. Yeah. Right. We're like, it's, there's, there's no other, I'm not, there, nothing else anybody does has an effect on how this goes other than myself right and that's the same how it was when you're when you're racing it's like you know he could run super fast but if i run really fast i'll beat him (laughs) you know like it doesn't matter what he does i just have to run really fast so it's like it, it was the closest thing to that that i had had since that and so it was really fun and i have another one uh as far as and you know it's on this it's on the schedule to be at the end of july so uh, we'll see. It'll be my first one at blue, which will be fun. Uh, and I'm super pumped because now that I'm over 30, I'm in the master's division. <laughs> so I don't have to, I don't have to go against these spry 17 and 18 year old freaks who've been rolling since they were four yeah. and just now have their blue belt because they're old enough to get one. You know what I mean? Do like, you, uh, so do you get nervous? I don't know if it's, I mean, not like, not nervous where it, I get the feeling of I don't want to do it. Yeah. Like, cause I think there's a lot of that nervousness that comes up for people when they compete where it's like, there's nerves. It's like, Oh, like yeah. I'm not sure how this will go. Like the nerves for me is everything up until right when it starts. Mm-hmm. And then right when, right when we, right when the, you know, the, the, the referee drops his hand, right when the gun goes off, it's like, I don't, I don't think about any of it. Yeah. You know, like I, I know if I'm walking up, if I'm doing it, like I'm not going to go into a competition, not having been done. I can to prepare for it. You know what I mean? Like, I think it'd be pretty dumb of me, especially in my thirties to like go and be like, I didn't really train for this. We'll just kind of see how it goes. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, like I'm not that gifted of, of a mover of an athlete or anything to where I could pull that off. 
You know, like, so if I have to do it, if I'm going to compete, like, I'm going to make sure when I show up, I've at least done what I can in the preparation for it. So, like, the nervous part of it is maybe not nerves. It's just maybe the, like, especially if it's a spectator thing, right? Because mm-hmm. it, like, kind of gets me a little juiced yeah. when I'm like, okay, like, I'm, I'm not in class where it's just a couple people hanging around and my coaches won't watch me. It's like, there's all these other people that are looking, like, let's... <laughs> You know, let's do something that doesn't embarrass myself, yeah, right? Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> I uh, I still get nervous, man. I still get nervous do before, I, before I run. Yeah, just because, like, I know. I know how much it's going to hurt. <laughs> yeah. The, the, Especially the freaking four, yeah. dude. Like, I've, I've given that example so many times. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, it always sucks the exact same. It's just over quicker yeah. when you get faster. You know what I mean? Like, you just reach the sucky part faster. So, like, yeah. it feels the exact same when you run a 47 as it does when you ran a 53 when you were in, like, eighth grade. Like, it still sucks the exact amount, but you just are faster. That, that is the damn truth. Um, but uh, I – there's just – and I, I, I always ask myself, I was like, why do you keep doing this to yourself? Like, because I absolutely hate the five minutes before I run like that. That is that five minutes before you run is like the loneliest, the loneliest yes. five minutes like I've, I've ever felt. I, uh, it's, it's very, do you like psych yourself out about, well, do I, like... I'm, I'm focused. I'm focused. I know what I need to yeah. do, but it's just like, it's such, it's such a lonely feeling because like, it's just, it's, it's an individual sport. There's just so much yeah accountability um and it it all falls it falls it all falls back on you how how are you going to how are you going to perform you're nobody's relying on you you're not relying on anybody else it's it's you and 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 that finish line so it's uh you can't hide behind any teammates who are gonna do better and you can't you know you still you like because in in team sports it's like if i play pretty bad but we still win it's like i'm okay i'm okay (laughs) you know what i mean like Like I didn't have a great yeah. game, but we won, so I'm all right. Like, <laughs> yeah, but uh, it, can't do that on a track. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's it's a very unique it's a very unique experience, though. And I, I I you know I think I think men definitely need some some type of competition in their life. Yeah, I think that that does that does a lot for for guys. Um, so yeah, for sure, I, I think even after track is done, I'll be finding ways to to compete in something. It's just, it's yeah. I think men are meant to kind of test test their will, test their strength, and in, in some way, shape, or form, and that's what that's what keeps them sharp. So that actually just made me. If we, I want to, if I want to pull this back to grounding for a second, because that actually just brought something up in my head that I didn't even think about until this moment, as it relates to like hormones. Uh-huh right? Like hormone health. And if we're talking about men specifically, testosterone, is there any correlation or relationship between how those get influenced level wise with, with grounding protocols at all? Have you seen any of that? I haven't seen anything like that. I've only seen, um, I've only seen results as far as like thyroid, thyroid function, but, um, nothing particularly with adjacently related. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe indirectly. Uh, I'm Sure. sure it exists. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure with any kind of uh, blood marker that y- you could you could find, grounding yeah. would probably influence it. It's just we're limited yeah. to you know what's been funded and what's actually available. Yeah. But I'm sure a lot of these things are are altered when when you're grounded to the earth. That would be a really interesting one yeah. to 
I, as far as a study goes to get done somewhere. Yeah, there's. I'm trying to get access to one of the local labs here in the city because there's a few experiments that I want to do. Um, yeah. And I, I have all these written out in, in a Google Doc, uh, how, you know, uh, methods uh, methods and all that, how, how to go about it. But even if I can't do it, maybe somebody else can. Um, so hopefully these uh, the people in Sioux City can give me access to their lab so I can do some of my own. Yeah my own things because I want to, you know, outside of this book, I definitely want to contribute to this field too. And there are ways that yeah. there are ways that I want to do that. So hopefully down the line, I can do that. That's awesome, man. Well, dude, we're right up on an hour part two. So we've got solid couple hours here of worth of stuff to go over. And I'm sure we'll do another one at some point. Um, and there'll be more that we can catch up on then, but dude, thanks for making some extra time. Yeah. Uh, to, to come back on and do a second part. I was pumped to spend a little bit more time catching up. I'm, you know? I'm glad the feds, I'm glad the feds didn't get involved here. So, <laughs> so uh, as we close out, because now I can actually do a proper closing instead of cutting it in the middle of some random sentence <laughs> we had to last week. Uh, so with all of the things, uh, the book, the shoes or the, the sandals, the the posts all of your stuff like give all of it out for for links so people can go and and read and catch up and watch and and if they want awesome sandals get those to where can everybody get all that stuff and yeah. i'll put it all in the show notes too but yeah. just so, uh, go ahead first and foremost if do your google search or your duck duck go i know a lot of people use duck duck go which is pretty smart yeah. actually um search the grounded athlete it'll be the first thing that pops up on that website you can click on research, you'll find all the peer-reviewed research, um, you'll find a lot of really cool illustrations, everything that I do is on there, all the podcasts that I do, um, all of my content, uh, the sandals, guy grounding sandals are on there, Instagram, the grounded athlete, Twitter, Doug grounded athlete, uh, YouTube, all my videos as far as how grounding affects different things in your body, um, just search the grounded athlete and more than likely it's going to be the first thing that pops up on whatever you're searching yeah. in. So. And if you want to get like the, I mean, the we've talked a lot about a lot of things and to go into even more dense material, like the YouTube channel has unreal amounts of information. So like if any of the things that we've mentioned, whether it was like the blood sugar, whether it was cardio stuff, immunity, like there's videos for all of that stuff and in gone very deep into a lot of that stuff. So if you want like even more you know, come out of it being a master scholar, essentially, with the amount of stuff that's in there. Go, go check out all that stuff. So, all right, my man. All right, my man. Thank you for making extra time, and uh, we'll catch up soon. All right, bud. All right, love you, Ross. You too, buddy.